If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to another episode of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer of UK thrash band Acid Rain, or being the host of my heavy metal podcast, Talking Bollocks, which I've been doing for over eight years. You'll see my name is highlighted in the description of this podcast. That's because it's a link. Click on it and it will take you to over eight years of interviews with really interesting metal and rock musicians. But here, oh yeah, here I am your guide through all all things motorhead here in this ever expanding museum that we're building adding on to all the time so we can fit all the interviews in this wonderful virtual museum houses some of the best motorhead stories you're gonna hear anywhere come on you know that by now you're a subscriber and if you are not please wherever you are listening to this you'll see a button that says subscribe click that and you'll get a new episode every time we release one as i'm sure you're already aware because you're a massive motorhead fan because you're listening to this um we have 40th anniversary editions of iron fist coming up i know a lot of you are very excited about this iron fist has a special place in the heart of of quite a few quite a few motorhead fans um, especially as is the last album with the classic lineup, but um, yeah, it's all coming out on the 23rd of September. Triple LP, double CD, black and blue LP, and obviously all your digital shenanigans as well. So keep your ears and eyes open and make sure you grab those. And in this episode, it's a fan episode. Yes, I keep telling you guys if you hit me up through social media, through Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, I will respond, tell me your unique Motorhead experiences, and it does really need to be unique, okay? You need to be naming children, pets, or you need to have met the band, okay? Um, but this is a perfect example. I was contacted through um, Instagram initially and had some kind of, uh, a, a little bit of a sketch of um, the story to come from Mike and straight away I thought yep that is something everyone's going to want to listen to and here it is this is Mike Ward and I having a chat about the time Fast Eddie asked him to fix his TV hello Mike welcome to the motorcast hi Howard how are you going Uh, I'm very well thank you you know what question's coming what first drew you into the world of motorhead i had a um an encounter with motorhead via the young ones and uh, i think probably if you did a straw poll of people between the ages of 40 and 50 who are into motorhead now they probably uh, would count that amongst one of the uh, one of the things that uh, that pushed them in that direction i was uh i saw that and and i thought yeah you know that's that's for me ultimately the uh you know, the, the young ones is my kind of comedy. Um, they're on the best episode, the one we're on when they're on University Challenge. And uh, ultimately, yeah, I never used to think the music bit in the young ones was very good. But then when the Motorhead bit come on, that was, uh, yeah, that, that, yeah. Was, that really swung me. And I thought the, um, you know, looking back on it now, it is a, it's a unique <clears throat> uh, little performance that ultimately, that from a lineup perspective. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Anyway, I think the, uh, 
that's what kind of set me on course. But around that time, I was also into, uh, you know, the comic strip presents and stuff like that, bad news and stuff. And, uh, and there was a, there was a, a film called Eat the Rich that was made uh, by the comic strip team. And uh, yeah. a lot of the young ones guys, but Lemmy was in that and, uh, and he had quite a prominent role and they played, uh, Motro played on the, in the film and so on. And that, that was, uh, that was interesting too. Ultimately, you know, they, I like that. I like that, uh, that sound. And I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm well into heavy rock. So it, it kind of, uh, it kind of put it all together for me about that time. There was, uh, an album came out called no sleep at all. That was about the first album to come out after I got into Motorhead. That was about 1988, I think. And, um, and it's brilliant. It's a great live album. I've put it right up there. Um, great guitar sound and uh and the band's personality really comes out on stage it's uh it's really good so i think from that point of view you know you you get a great british hard rock band come across in that album and i identified music you know the on stage enter the attitude you know that kind of thing it was uh it was kind of what i was looking for when i was that age about you know 11 or 12 and um yeah. there's a song on that album called just because you've got the power that don't mean you've got the right and it's quite an obscure song. I don't think it's on any of their albums. It's probably on like a B-side or something, but it contains like statements on politics and wealth and society and stuff like that. And as a, like a angry teenager, I was, it kind of struck a chord, you know, it's, it showed Motred had like honesty and integrity and stuff like that. And, and I kind of, I was kind of looking for that, I think. So it was, yeah, it was good. And uh, from there, I just started collecting records, you know, uh, I go down um, Kensington market and, uh, Beano's in Croydon and places like that and uh, get uh, memorabilia and I joined Motorhead Bangers and uh, used to uh, exchange letters with Alan Burridge with all kinds of obscure questions on the band and so on. So I felt I felt quite heavily into Motorhead at that time. And then, uh, yes, I went to see them uh, at the, which one, it, uh, the Hammersmith Odeon, uh, supported by Saxon. I can't remember the year. Wow. I mean, 1990, 91. So, maybe. so was that your, was that your first, that was the first time seeing Motorhead live? Yeah. Yeah. So it was the, um, I'm trying to remember. I think it, I, I can't remember who was on drums for that one. It might've been a very early Mickey D lineup, but um, yeah, it was, it was good. I think it was either, the, I think it was either the very, very tail end of the 1916 tour or the very or the start of the, um, what would it have been March or die tour. Um, and uh, yeah, it was good. I mean, what's what's interesting about the Odeon as was was it's all seated, so you know you've got a bit of space to to bash your head around and 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 punch the air and so on. And everyone's wearing their kind of battle dress and everything. It's it's really good. I remember Saxon were very good, but the uh, yeah, in particular Motorhead were, were completely unbelievable. They they were ridiculously loud when they started. It was like a wall of noise. And uh, and then and and I think maybe two songs in. Lemmy kind of strides over to his amp and turns it up, you know, and you're thinking, no, <laughs> how can it be any louder? And <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it, it was, it was, a, it was a great experience. And um, I remember going home on the tube, you know, and the tube is loud enough, but I just, I simply could not hear any of the new, any of the tube noise. And I had tinnitus for about four days at school after that. It was, uh, it was very good. You know, I, it was, it was all that said and, and, you know, kind of my entry point was, was about that time, I think over over the years, or well, the months after that, I developed a, a real uh, a real interest in the in the kind of classic lineup of Motorhead. Though that was 
that was the be- those in my view those were the, the the best songs and had the best sound and yeah. obviously conveyed the, the the kind of stuff I like most um, particularly Overkill and the Ace of Spades I thought those two albums were were absolutely knockout. So was your first brand new Motorhead release was a live album? Yeah, I was searching around for something. Yeah, yeah, and um, and it's funny that you should mention the you know the the original lineup being your favourite because um, you know when you originally got in touch you. You'd had some dealings with uh, the one and only uh, Fast Eddie. How did um, how did all that come about? I was in about nineteen ninety nine. Uh, I was in a band called Ayatollah, and uh, I've been in a few bands actually. You know, nothing nothing serious, just kind of uh, making noise with friends, having a, having a bash. This was in school, and then uh, I went to university and um, met some people there as well. Um, uh, a guy called Mungo. Uh, who ended up being in the the singer in Ayatollah and Dom Dom Lawson, who's now a, a metal journalist. You probably know him. We've we've had him on we've had him on the motorcast. Oh yeah, oh, he played yeah. the drums. <laughs> oh right, okay. Hello, Dom. Hope you're listening. We recorded a demo. One of the four songs we did was "I'll Be Your Sister," which is a a cover off Overkill. Yeah, basically, it was just to get gigs. You know, in, around London, the southeast. Uh, yeah. In those days, it was all like tapes, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, uh, that was the intention. So. After university, I did I didn't I did a, d- a degree in chemistry and uh, and I fell out of love with 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 science um, about halfway through. So so I ended up pursuing a, a career in film. At least I wanted to scratching around trying to uh, trying to make a living uh, initially script writing and then just making short films. And, and after a while, I did quite a lot of work making music videos for bands. That's a, probably a separate story. But ultimately, I did a whole bunch of pub jobs after university. And my girlfriend at the time found a a job ad in the Guardian media section asking for an apprentice engineer at post-production house in Soho, which uh, was, you know, like, okay, fine. That's great. Uh, that's a foot in the door. So yeah, I got that job, which was, uh, which was a revelation because I had no previous experience and that was all right. Um, and part of this job was to take rushes of, uh, of programs that were going to be made and put together um, and, and kind of doing quality control on them. So, so listening to them for, you know, pops and hisses and little bits of digital noise and that kind of stuff. And one of the first things I had to work on this job was was some motorhead material. And um, I'm trying to remember what the program actually was. I think it finally became the classic albums documentary. Um, right. Uh, uh, on the Ace of Spades. And right. yeah. but this was this was some years, I think, before that came out. I'm trying to remember what year that, that program came out. It might have been 2004 it finally came out, but this would have been in the very late 90s. Um, and they were compiling interviews with the band and, and obviously all of the uh, uh, the usual suspects who um, who hung around with Motorhead in the early days. Yeah. Uh, and it was all very interesting. And obviously I, 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 I was like, yeah, I'll do that job. <laughs> I remember uh, watching it thinking this is, you know, this is great. One of the one of the interesting things was I'd never heard Fast Eddie talk, um, despite all of the um, my interest in Motorhead over the years. I was uh, I was listening to this and and he said some he said some good stuff and then and then I thought you know I'll stick my neck out there. I wonder what Fast Eddie would think of our I'll be your sister cover. I had a job sheet associated with this job I was doing, and it had all the all the names of the people on it who had made the program, and uh, and their phone numbers. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have. Uh, didn't have anyone. Uh, any particular, anyone particularly famous on there? But I called up the producer and I said, 
you know, a bit of a uh, bit of a long shot, but uh, I've got this uh, cover we did. I know you've just done this stuff with Fast Eddie. You know, it'd be great if you could um, let him know. And he said, yeah, no worries. And I, I gave him my number and see what, you know, see what happened. That was that. And I, I, I'm guessing it must have been quite a while went past, maybe a week. Anyway, I got, I got home because I, I, I lived with my parents at the time and I used to work night shifts and stuff. And my mum goes, oh, yeah, this bloke called Ed phoned up for you. And uh, I was like, oh, OK. I distinctly remember looking at the number and thinking, I don't know anyone called Ed. <laughs> and looking at the, uh, the number and thinking, where is that? And it, was, it was like an 0208 number. Yeah. Thinking, oh, where is that? Anyway, I phoned it. And uh, lo and behold, it was Fast Eddie Clark on the other end of the phone. And I was like, hello. And he was like, hello. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, two and two together. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, it's, it's that, Ed. Yeah, that's right. He goes, he goes, oh, yeah. I can't do his voice. But he goes, oh, yeah. Flag. Like it. Like it. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, so he said, send me a tape. Send me a tape. So I sent, I made him a tape a bit and I sent him over. And, um, and then again, about a week goes by. And he phones me up again and he says, yeah, we should meet up. This is really good. We should talk about music. I was like, okay. Awesome. Um, which was, which was interesting and, uh, you know, <clears throat> completely unexpected. Yeah. No, I, I was just going to say that's, that's, that's really not what you expect, is it? No. And, 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 and in hindsight, I guess he must've had a bit of a gap in his, <laughs> in his life at that point. He was a bit bored perhaps. I don't know. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a genuine shock. And uh, he lived in Twickenham. I knew Twickenham a bit. He, he, he selected a pub that we should meet in. I was thinking, oh, right, okay, wow, he, he, he fancies a session. I won't, uh, I won't drive. Uh, uh, so I turned up at this pub and I was sort of nursing a half, waiting for him to arrive. And then he strides in and, and um, you know, it's like, oh, wow, there you go. You, know, you haven't changed a bit. And he still wears, you know, uh, like a black waistcoat, you know, <laughs> cowboy boots and uh, boot cut jeans and stuff like that. It's like, yeah. He was wearing, he's wearing, the, he's wearing the Eddie Clark yeah. uniform, basically. Exactly. I think he yeah. must have like seven sets of clothes just like that in his, in his wardrobe for every day of the week. First thing he goes is, oh, this is a shit pub. Let's go back to mine for a cup of tea. And I was like, okay. <laughs> we go out. Um, uh, okay. Uh, again, yeah. again, not yeah. expecting that. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's turning. I was like, okay, fine. We go into the car park and he goes, oh, yeah. What do you think of this? And he's and he's he's just he's just picked up this second-hand BMW. Um, the first thing he does, he pops the bonnet and turns the engine on and sits in the seat, revs the engine. And he's like, "Yeah, what do you think of that?" <laughs> so it's it's wow. great getting his new Beamer, and uh, and he drives you back to his house, which is a it's like a terrace house. You wouldn't say, you wouldn't you wouldn't call it out as anything particularly uh, interesting at all. It was just a, yeah. just a mill house. Yeah, uh, it was it wasn't a rock and roll mansion. No, exactly. I didn't know yeah. what. To yeah, because I, I mean, know what, what I was in for, to be honest. Yeah, but but exactly. So it's like, so you start out thinking you're going to get battered in the pub. He turns up and says, "Let's go for a cup of tea," and then drives you to a terraced house, and you're expecting to be driven to yeah. a rock and roll mansion. That's it. Yeah, you're thinking oh, it might be like the Osbournes, you know, whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. The wings of this place. No, and so we uh, go in, but then you start to start to dawn on you. Then this this is this is how this is how fast Eddie lives. There's like a um, there's a there's a lounge and it's got in it you know you walk in you think oh they right oh you know it, if it was like through the keyhole I'd get it straight away because there on a stand in the lounge was 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 the strat and right. and I was like okay here we go and then uh, so we go and sit in his um, in his kitchen he's making a tea and he goes oh yeah you work in telly don't you 
you can fix my telly. I was like, well, what's, what's wrong with it? He goes, it doesn't fucking work. I've got all these videos to watch and I can't fucking watch them. The next thing I was doing, I was crawling behind his TV and it was, it was, it was a simple fix. He just put the, you know, yeah. the aerial wire in the wrong hole. And uh, I just had to sort all that stuff out. You know, it took about five minutes. But uh, yeah, that was like the second um, slightly unexpected experience of, uh, was fixing his telly. It was a massive telly, actually. Um, and uh, before, but I, yeah, my, anyway, before everyone had a massive telly. Well, it was it was kind of the dawn of the kind of flat screen stuff, but it was actually a very very big um, CRT, and uh, and was yeah, it was an, it was an it was interesting to see it. Um, what's a what's a CRT? A cathode ray telly. So ah, right, you know, an old okay. tube type. I'm trying to remember. He just had a burglary um, right. when that happened. Uh, but his but some guitars have been nicked, and uh, and, and he, yeah, he talked about that, and and he was yeah, I think I think it quite shook him up a bit, um, but yeah. it was it was it was one of the things that he mentioned when we uh, when we first started talking on the on the on the first visit anyway. I went to use the loo, which was up the stairs, and on the stairs were all these gold discs. Also, I would have thought as well in that situation, once you once you get chatting. You kind mm. of you kind of forget who it is, you know, and you're just you're just two guys getting along. And then you walk upstairs and there's loads of gold discs reminding That's you yeah. that who you're with. <laughs> yeah, it's a it was a total reality check. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, having having and, just fixed his telly, obviously. <laughs> well, that's it. You must have wondered where I was. I was just stood there reading all of the, uh, you know, looking at them. And uh, right, yeah. I've been in a museum, so I've been in a hard rock cafe. But uh yeah, that was that that was good. And I came come downstairs and uh, and he's rolling a joint, and I was like, okay, um, was was wasn't banking on this. I've got things to do later. But he goes, oh yeah, I, lo- I you know I love smoking, but um, I'm trying to get off the fags. It's okay. Well, um, you know, fine. I'm sure uh, weed is an ample substitute for for cigarettes. But he was he takes a whole cigarette, puts it in, and rolls it up with the with the weed. And I was like, well, you know. Eddie, it's 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 a bit of a challenge that if you're going to smoke a whole cigarette in the joint, then then that ultimately okay, you probably get the get the hit you're after, but it doesn't really solve the whole giving up smoking thing, does it? And he's like, no, no, it's fine because you're going to smoke half of it, and that way I only smoke half a fag. He's like, <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> so uh, that was it. And uh, yeah, that was that day gone. And uh, so we, I've, I've seen to remember we had a whole bunch of um, you know kind of bizarre uh, conversations after that but the I mean it, it ultimately it was it was given it was it was it was kind of open open season for me really he get, he, he, he wanted to talk I think and I, and, and I don't know um, why particularly he was he was just up for up for just having a chat it was um, it was really good so I asked him about the classic lineup you know but anyway he explained it in uh, in quite a lot of detail and it was uh, you know it was really refreshing to hear actually you know basically his view was never say never because um, although uh, Fast Eddie has said he, you know, he never really wanted to work with it with Lemmy again. And uh, after the whole Wendy O. Williams debacle, that actually, you know, given a bit of time, there was a there was a possibility that it could. And, yeah. and so, what's interesting also is that is that Lemmy was actually quite money orientated. He was very here and now. He never saved any money. Um, you know, never had any kind of uh, kind of long term plans for money. But if you offered him a great big bag of cash, then apparently he'd do anything. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was Eddie's view anyway. That um, if someone said, "Here's a great big pile of money, get the get the classic lineup together," then it's likely it would happen. You you never know, do you? You never know. So um, well, so after this after this initial meeting, how did things progress? Because 
musically he did a yeah so a so so we, we talked about the the tunes we did and and you know he, he gave some feedback on the uh on the cover i mean ultimately in, in hindsight it was uh you know i can say with all confidence that it was it's not the uh not the best cover in the world of that song but uh it was interesting at the time because we did it in a you know in a in a in a different tuning we played it quite a lot faster um it had a um uh, the solo was basically me playing the riff from too late too late over and over again um and uh and the singer was obviously nothing like lemmy so it was a uh, it was an interesting twist on it and, and he yeah. liked so um he gave us some tips on that and uh and, and 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 some feedback which is nice and um and so that that was that was largely it. i mean we spoke a bit more about different bits and bobs but ultimately it was it was it was nice to see him and, and off off i went and then um the um the second time, yeah, he phoned me up again and he, and he said he'd been thinking, um, you know, because one of the things I said was, look, we, we've got each each of us in the band. We've got we've got no money. We've got no, uh, um, you know, we all do, live live quite far away. So, uh, you know, we're probably going to do this. Uh, we've done this demo. If we get any gigs off it, then that'd be good. Uh, and he said, oh, you know, you said you had no no money. So I've got an eight track recorder here. Um, it's not not doing much with it at the moment. You can borrow it if you want and you can record some more stuff. And um and that'll, you know, that'll get you on your way. And I was like, okay, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're really thinking, oh, you know, that's, 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 a, that's a very kind gesture. I went around his house again. He showed me this recorder. I can't remember the brand it was. It was, it was, a, it was, it was a relatively modern analog eight track. And he had a nightmare getting the Simpty time code to turn off. <laughs> he genuinely nearly smashed it on the table. It was because, okay. it it, God, it's, it's a shocking sound. That come that goes in the headphones when you turn it on, um, and it's just like, and he's like, oh, fucking simty, <laughs> very good. Uh, and anyway, just it was just a switch on the back that turned it off. So he gave us that. He came up with this thing. He goes, yeah, you know why I'm called fast? And I said, no, I've no idea why you're called fast. Um, he goes, oh yeah, well let me let me nickname me fast. Um, he comes. Uh, he, he, there's there's that story of of how he was kind of handed the. Uh, you know the the leather jacket and the bullet belt and he was kind of given the uh given the given the job the um then he says you know everyone in motorhead has a nickname and uh he's like okay thanks very much because one one of the things that i'd asked about originally was uh you know because fast eddie is not particularly fast in terms of the fingers but ultimately it's a fantastic name um and and i was always interested what one thing he didn't do was ever answer why fast but uh, so I never, I never got the answer to that one. But um, Billy Idol apparently was the only person who ever called him fast. Everyone else called him Ed or Fast Eddie, etc. Right. Yeah. As well. But uh, anyway, so yeah, come away with this um, uh, eight-track recorder. Show me how to use it. So we go away as a band. Maybe, maybe a few months. We, we um, play some more um, uh, demos. Get that done. That's all. And that's that's all great. And every uh, every every few weeks, once we've done a bit, I'd send him a tape. And he'd phone me up and he'd give me some feedback on it. And then basically things were going all right, but it was a hard thing to use. It was just tapes and it, it recorded at double speed and all this other stuff. It was, uh, you probably encountered these machines before digital came along. And yeah. uh, so eventually I took it back to his house and said, look, I'm having a bit of trouble with this. We had all the tracks recorded, but he said, look, you know, I'll, I'll mix it for you and, um, and I'll sort it out. So I was like, okay, this is great. And, um, and at that point, he had he'd just taken delivery of some CDs and he gave me a handful of interesting CDs, actually, ones which I haven't seen before, of um, some fairly rare motorhead stuff, which I think he had had kind of hanging, kicking around on his own tapes that he had taken home from various 
um, recording sessions and they're, they're, they're right, pre, yeah. pre um, kind of finalized versions of a lot of the classic lineup songs, which, are, which I found very interesting. Yeah. And some, some early versions of, you know, the Ace of Spades and uh, Love Me Like a Reptile and those kind of songs, which are, which are great to hear and yeah. some way stuff and, and his solo album, which had just come out as well, which is, um, which was interesting. So, you know, I was, I was very thankful of that. So it was really good. He had this Spanish guitar in his kitchen and he said, yeah, you know, he only ever plays Spanish guitar now. I was okay. And apparently he'd been invited to do a, uh, uh, recording, uh, for some blues compilation. Um, and, um, he played me, um, Brown Sugar by ZZ Top. And, uh, it's, uh, I don't know if you know, it's the first song off their first album and it's an, an absolutely knockout version. He, He's genuinely underrated as a singer and he played with real soul, you know, and, yeah. and again, that was absolutely knockout. I was, I was, I just sat there, you know, my chin at the floor. It was, it was one of those, one of those moments. That's awesome. That sounds like one of those moments that's going to, that's going to kind of live with you forever. Yeah. No, I'll never forget it in his kitchen on the, yeah. on, on the Spanish guitar with the plastic strings, but uh, yeah, nah, it was, it was good. And, and again, you know, I'm, I'm eternally thankful for the time he spent with me. It was, it was, it was very, it was very, very good. Anyway, so we recorded these demos and he comes around, he plays the stuff and he, yeah, he's managed to, you know, turn, you know, some, some degree of uh, excrement into cream with respect to our recordings. And, uh, and it was very nice to, uh, to listen to. Wow. Here you go, take it away. And, um, uh, and that was that. Um, so that, you know, that, that was, that was largely the, um, the end of, an end of, end of that kind of, that series of events. Shortly after that, Fast Eddie turns up at Mungo's house, who's the singer, and he had a um, had a pool table in his house. So we spent an evening playing pool, which was good fun. And uh, that again, that was unexpected. Just kind of completely uh, knock on the door. Oh, hello! You know, heaven knows when I must have given him the address, and uh, yeah. and so on. And then on on top of that, Ben, the bass player, never met him. We're not, um, you know, it was always entirely me who had gone around his house and, and done this work on the song. So Ben was completely skeptical that. Fast Eddie had even, uh, you know, engaged with us at all. So right. uh, it was a funny thing. So, yeah, so uh, Eddie called me up um, probably a few weeks after that as well. So all of this must have happened in the space of, um, you know, nine months to a year or so. Yeah. And he said, oh, can, we, can I have the eight track back? Uh, some stuff coming up that I want to I want to I want to record. Yeah. Like, hey, no worries. So I was still still doing my apprenticeship then. And I was uh, I was working nights. And I thought, that's fine. I'll just, I'll drive down to Twickenham, drop it off and on my way to work. And I completely misjudged it. So I stopped the car and I went into a payphone and I phoned him up and I said, look, look, Eddie, I'm, I'm stuck in Wandsworth. I've got to get to work. I'm not going to be able to get you the eight track tonight. And I was literally kind of his, he changed on a, on a sixpence to being affable, to being absolutely livid you know, probably yeah. more angry than I think anyone had ever been up to with me up until that point. He went on about, broken promises oh, and all this stuff and i was thinking yeah, fuck on wow you know this is this is uh this is this is full on you know he said yeah. you turn the recorder and you can fuck off right so you're you're oh, you're oh. properly on the end of a uh, oh, yeah of, a, of an artist's tongue lashing by the sound that's right of it. i mean i i think i think i have heard stories of how he can turn on a sixpence uh with respect to his temper and I was, you know, I was, I was shaking. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. And then you've, and then you, well, you're, you're worried about that. You're going to, you're going to be late for work. You're going to lose your job. And, yeah. and now like, you know, pretty much one of your idols is having a right old go at you on the yeah, phone. Yeah. 
that's it so yeah so i, I got i got a, i got a massive tongue lashing and uh so um yeah i did that night shift and then the next day i must have set off you know with a few hours to spare i got to his doorstep and there and there he was i said here you go and uh i wasn't invited in and wow. uh, it was pretty cold he said see you later and uh so i was like thanks very much and and i, and I have to say i didn't expect to see him again I mean, one thing that he managed to do with the recording was to give it a bit more space. One thing that I was um, I couldn't do was to, you know, let the instruments breathe a bit with respect. Yeah. To that kind of, I mean, ultimately he, get, he 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 produced a stereo recording from uh, something which was pretty uh, pretty thick, and as in guitar laden, where we're just yeah. built out. We got a gig at the Peel in Kingston, which is uh, at least it was back then. It was a strip club and a pub venue. That was a good gig. Anyway, we, we did that. And at the end, Fast Eddie's at the back and he comes up and he goes, I've been watching you from the back. And it was great. And it was like, you know, all that, all that tongue lashing kind of washed away. Yeah. And he shook hands and he shook hands with the band and Ben, the bass player who idolized Motorhead as well, was like, you bastards, you know? So that was, that was good. And, 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 uh, he met, uh, he met Eddie and, uh, it was uh yeah it was it was nice i mean yeah you couldn't you, i suppose you couldn't have uh couldn't have written it better but yeah yeah ultimately we we kind of parted on good terms because the band broke up after that after a, after a few months after that we, we kind of all got jobs in different places i think ben moved to japan right so but it, it happens got, doesn't got, it everyone goes their separate ways you know life life happens to you you know everybody go but at least you had that lovely kind of happy ending yeah it sounds corny doesn't it but yeah, no, no, no it, 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 it sounds corny, but you know what? It's 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 the result. I'm sure everybody listening would want because the last thing you want is is like you know, you hand over the recorder and he goes, "See you later," shuts the door, and that's that. Yeah, it's yeah. just no, it's, it's true. It's true. It's, th- it's a lovely uh, yeah. way to end. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, mate. That's awesome. It was it was it was a it was a good uh, it was a good period of time. You know, from experience perspective, even yeah. on it. I, I mean, I don't talk about it that much. No one, no no one in my family is particularly interested in. Motred and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and 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 you know when I do talk to people about it, I usually jog on about it as I have done now actually, and, uh, <laughs> and people's eyes roll over. But yeah, no, it's, it it was a great experience, and uh, and to think about it now, you know, it's over twenty years ago, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a massive loss uh, when yes. Eddie yeah. passed away, and uh, and ultimately, yeah, with with that, obviously with with Lemmy and Phil going too, it went yeah. my dream of the uh, the classic lineup reunion, but. Uh, Hey, you know, you can't, you can't win them all. A, thank you for sharing it with us. And B, that's what you were saying there about, you know, there's not many people in your family who are interested in hearing about it. And when you do talk about it, you go on about, do you know what? This is the ideal place. This is the ideal place for that. Because people, I'm sure people have been listening at absolutely hanging on your every word and every kind of, you know, the next part of the story, wondering where it goes. Because that's just that's an incredible experience to have it really is and thank you for sharing it with us hey no worries it's good yeah as i say good to good to vent it every uh, every now and again but uh, absolutely absolutely mike i can't thank you enough thank you very much uh, no my pleasure and of course i hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as i did doing it thank you very much mike um it's a real it was a real pleasure doing it and listening back to it as well, I don't know about you guys, but 
when when Mike is describing walking up the stairs and seeing the gold discs and stuff, I can totally picture this this staircase in a in some generic um, uh, mid terrace house in my head from around that time period. I know exactly what it would look like. I mean, I've imagined the carpet on it and everything. It was just I found that that story is one of the. It's so surreal, isn't it? It's so surreal. All of a sudden. You know, you're kind of inverted common mates with Fast Eddie Clark out of nowhere. Um, and yeah, and that's what it's like being friends with an artist, guys. <laughs> Don't catch him on the wrong day or say you're going to do something and then not do it. <laughs> anyway, look, um, really enjoyed doing it. And this, I mean, this is a big, big call for fan interviews. Come on, guys. If you've got stories out there, if you know people who've got a great motorhead story, yeah, just tell them to get in touch that'd be really cool also while you're at it tell people to subscribe to the motorcast you're doing a great job it's still growing and people are still finding out about the motorcast please recommend it to people who are motorhead fans people who are just podcast fans hey look you guys know what you're doing right I don't need to keep going on about it. Anyway, look, it's been absolutely awesome, as always. I'm looking forward to keep doing this and dropping these into your devices as often as possible. So that's all I've got for you this time. hope you're looking forward to the uh, Iron Fist special editions, and I'll talk to you next time on the next episode of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. I don't say agreed. The only god I need is the ace of spades. The ace of spades.